Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host Chris Broad and we're joined as always by not Pete Donaldson, he's on holiday. Yeah! But we've got a much wackier, much more American Pete. It is of course Pete Premier 2 Macy. Hey Back for more! If you, didn't, if you missed last week's episode, Pete talked about his 10 years teaching in Japan. Yeah, and that was a great experience, but now I'm ready to have the true Abroad in Japan podcast, uh, you know experience <laughs> you, you gradually lost enthusiasm very quickly well i realized i said experience eight times in a row and i, I was like damn it but this is exciting because i if my understanding is correct there's going to be questions there's going to be some debate there's going to be some joking you've, you've made the podcast sound way better than it is pete <laughs> <laughs> first things first though something we're, we're currently recording in the broad japan studio this is the first podcast to ever be recorded in the studio yeah, I love this place. This is a dream come true for me, even though I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> so I appreciate even being here, and I appreciate you for having me on for another month or it, week. Another month. <laughs> no. Pete Donaldson's <laughs> coming back, I hope. Oh, <laughs> I thought this was my permanent new job. Okay. Pete Donaldson currently on holiday somewhere sunny and hot on the Canary Islands, I think. Damn him. Well, I hope he's having fun and All being that- safe. Yeah, I mean, there was a volcanic eruption on a right. nearby island, uh, I think. So hopefully he's okay. I do hope so. And I know that Pete has a unique radio voice and presence, and I will try my best not to diminish this podcast too much more than I already have. Too much more. <laughs> so yeah, I, I teach English. Yeah, unbelievably. Exciting stuff. But uh, one thing you said a minute ago, which shocked me to my core, is that you have met Japan's most famous actor mm. overseas Ken Watanabe of course who I've longed to meet for the longest time it's become a sort of running joke almost on abroad in Japan that I want to meet Ken Watanabe but you bloody met him well I, I gotta preface it with saying that we're not like close friends oh all right. well, well you know not yet but I was working at one of the before podcast mentioned Eikaiwas I was in their lobby filling out some forms and in comes Ken Watanabe. And what, I do a double he take. He was a close contact or friend with the owner of the entire, a Japanese guy who knew, who ran the school, who owned the school. And I believe Mr. Watanabe's role was promoting the Eikaiwa to the masses. Which, which one was this? Which the studio? studio? It's called Model Language Studio. Was this the one in Japan, in uh, Tokyo or Niigata? This was in Tokyo. 
Ken Watanabe would nothing would no, nothing to do with the one I was in Niigata. Well, he's from Niigata, so yeah. But this was not a good endeavor. But the, the model language studio, he came in, and I did like a double triple take, <laughs> and I was like, and he kind of nodded at me. I said, Mister Watanabe. I'm a huge fan of your work. And he punched me in the face. <laughs> said, don't you ever touch me again. Don't look at me. Don't even look. No, we had a brief conversation and um, it was kind of amazing. I've only it must met... be weird because you're, you're someone who is an actor. And... Failed actor, but Not yes. Not failed, but no, like, I understand. waiting to seize the day still. But mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've won some pretty cool awards in America for acting. before you pack your bags and move to Japan to work in a rice field. Quite literally, go back and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> but it must have been weird to meet one of Japan's biggest actors as an actor yourself. Well, you know, it's, it's always interesting. I've met Paul Rudd and Bruce Campbell and, and Ken Watanabe. And not the but <laughs> the big you, three. The big three, as I <laughs> call Rudd, them. Did you say Bruce Campbell? Yeah, yeah, three times I met him. Good God. He told me to kiss his ass in front of an auditorium. But the interesting about, thing about these people is they have this certain aura that mm. you can't help but be like, you're in the presence of something incredible. You must feel that when we're together. Well, yeah, the, the smell alone is uh, <laughs> overpowering. No, it's, it's true though, but because I know you before you were, um, I knew you were in YouTube, right? I still see you as a, a friend first and a YouTuber second. It's exactly how I see you, as a, <laughs> as a friend. But for Ken Watanabe, his reputation precedes him. And I, I had no idea that, you know, he, he seemed larger than life and incredible. And it wasn't until the police removed me from the premise that I realized it's true. What did you say to him? I think I said that, like any dumb thing, I was like, oh, I think your movies are fantastic. And I said, <laughs> I said to him, you know, what's really impressive about your roles is that your approach to acting is quite Western as opposed to the Japanese style. And I've always found that to be very interesting. And he kind of said, well, thank you. I don't know if you understood what I was saying because I was mumbling. <laughs> but he seemed very appreciative and said, Thank you very much. It's something he takes very seriously. Very good. Very good. He, I'm, I'm hoping to meet him someday in the not-too-distant future. He has a restaurant uh, about an hour or two north of where we are now in Sendai. And uh, I might go and interview him. Well, should you need me to introduce you, I can, you can bring me along and I'll say, Kevin! That would be really funny. If, if we just take you and you're like, you must remember Pete. And he'd be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> that was like, chance. That was, was like 10 years ago. Yes. Right. It was at least 10 years ago. Right, right. So now he's, he's done with me. And what about Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd I met twice. One was I served him at a Chili's restaurant in Kansas City. Oh, and at this time, Paul Rudd was a relative unknown in the world of movies because he was in a movie called Clueless, mm. Alicia Silverstone, 90s picture, very famous movie. Right. Then his career kind of uh, dropped off the map. He went to the UK, did a lot of stage uh, got his doctorate or master's there with a famous playwright named Neil Labute, a great, mm, mm. great, great playwright from the UK, and couldn't get any work in America till the Judd Apatow films took off again. Right. So when I met him, I said, oh my God, you were my favorite actor in The Chateau and Gen Y Cops, and he was extraordinarily embarrassed that someone even knew these movies existed. <laughs> uh, the second time was I went to high school in Kansas City, and so mm. did he. And I went to a production of another school's show of Arsenic and Old Lace, a great old play. Paul Rudd was a guest because I was his old high school, and he played the dead body for that night in the play. <laughs> so these guys were lugging him around. Right. And I met him backstage when talking to the cast and crew. And he was, again, not did he, even... Did he remember? Like, this oh, was I... actually... That was the first time I met him. And the second time was I served him at the Chili's, so... 
Oh, it was the other way around. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I told us that. It's sequencing. So when you were at Chili's, were you like, do you remember that performance? Uh, no, I uh, was... I, I. He was like, shut up and get the fries. Yeah, shut up and get the fries. What about the third time then? Well, that was Bruce Campbell I met three times. Oh. Bruce Campbell in a full auditorium, he said, okay, anybody, if you've got any questions, now's the time to ask. And I was at the very top on like the third floor of the auditorium, and I had just seen him in this movie called uh, Serving Sarah. It was the worst movie, and he was the worst part of that movie. You could tell he phoned it in, and I said, excuse me, Bruce. And he was like, yeah, you at the top. And I said, uh, <laughs> I was like, can you just justify what was going on in Serving Sarah? Can I have my eight bucks back? And he, everyone kind of chuckled nervously. Did you actually say that? Yeah, I'm a oh scumbag. I don't know. But I'd met him three times. And he, he turned around and he, he, he reached for his wallet <laughs> as he, and he goes, then at the last second he turns and he goes, why don't you kiss my ass? <laughs> in my defense, really quickly, the first time I met Bruce, I had a, a really close friend who was on the Make-A-Wish program. He was fighting cancer and he did right. survive. It was amazing. That'd be great. And I said, I'm going to go meet Bruce. Can you e- I would love to meet this guy. So I emailed Bruce Campbell. This is back in like, what, 2001. Really? Yeah. And I said, my friend's Make-A-Wish is to meet you. And he said, listen, I'm really sorry. I, he replied. I'd love to meet him. I can't. I'm, I'm, but I am traveling through the Midwest to St. Louis. Why don't you come to a book signing and I'll, I'll give him like a, a special note. Oh, cool. I said, that's amazing. I went to St. Louis. I had my friend's book and I was like, do you remember the, I was the friend who contacted about my friend who's fighting cancer? He goes, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I remember you. And he wrote, Dear Pete, get well soon. And my friend's name is Ben. Oh, 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 so no. my, I, I don't know if he thought I had an illness, oh. a mental one that was <laughs> like, he, but he missigned the book on accident and he wrote to Ben like, you know, stay groovy. Those are my brushes with fame besides you. Wow. It's pretty cool. All have ended in disaster. I'm Maybe no, this podcast. I've never had anything quite like that. But What? Hopefully one day. I suppose I met Hyde. Hmm. And Elon Musk in passing, but well, yeah, that's right. You knows. served Elon Musk. It's uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I, my favorite encounter was Kenneth Branagh. You met Natsuki. Kenneth Branagh? We bumped into him in a shoe shop. What? When I was with Natsuki in London, Natsuki was buying some shoes. He was like, I want. We went to London for Natsuki the movie, and he wanted to buy like some two thousand dollar shoes, two thousand pounds, <laughs> and uh, we went into one shop, and they were like, these shoes are four thousand, and Natsuki got out his calculator. And he sort of nodded in agreement with the man. Then he got out his calculator, converted it to yen, and he literally went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and we were, like, escorted out of the shop. Then we found another more reasonably priced shoe shop that cost, like, £2,000 for the shoes. And while we were in there, yeah, Kenneth Branagh just walked in. Like, now, it's a really small shop. We're talking, like, a few metres, like, this sort of, you know, the size of, like, a maybe three bathrooms combined. And uh, interesting I'm just sitting there on the chair watching that to get his shoes f- fitted. And Kenneth Branagh just walks in like, oh shit, it's Kenneth Branagh. The legend. But I didn't really say anything. Well, do you have to I, speak in iambic pentameter? Oh, oh I love you in Wild Wild West. No, as, no. As angry, evil wheelchair man. No. Wheelchair Spider-Man. He's, he's a legend of Shakespeare. I know, but I wanted, I wanted to like, annoy him. Well. Like, I love you in the Wild Wild West. <laughs> you were so great in that role when you're in the wheelchair doing the Southern American accent. Yeah, well, Kenneth Branagh gets a pass. For being a, a chosen one of the globe, but I, mean, I think I tried to speak to Natsuki in Japanese. I was like, Natsuki, Kenneth Branagh, Sugoyume. He's like, Dare. Yeah, but uh, he was too busy having fun with his shoes. And I didn't. I also, I didn't want to tell Natsuki this is a really big, amazing actor because Natsuki would have been like, 
and what Natsuki would have approached Kenneth Branagh without knowing who he is, what he's done, and just be like, let's let's have a photo together. <laughs> it would have been really awkward and not not fun to deal with. So. Well, we've had brushes with greatness, and um, perhaps someday you will meet some of your heroes, Definitely. like Ken Watanabe. Dare to dream, Pete. Dare to dream. <laughs> um, we've got a story this week okay. from one of our listeners, um, Julia from Germany. It says, "Hello, Chris and Pete. It works because you've got, you've got the same name." Sure, she met me. Absolutely. My name is Julia, and I'm a teacher from Germany. I wanted to share with you the story of a road trip that I had with my sister, who lives in Japan. In summer 2019, I visited her in Japan for a month and we were really excited to travel to Hokkaido for the first time to spend a week around the island. On the first day, we had quite a long drive ahead of us, all the way through the mountains to the area of Urahoro. I've never heard of Urahoro. No, neither have I. Uh, It was already well in the afternoon when we reached the town, but there was not a single soul on the streets. All the restaurants were closed and the only place that showed a sign of life was the local 7-Eleven where we bought some dinner. Feeling none the wiser, we looked online and found out There was a parking spot near the sea and next to a giant lake where camping was allowed. When we arrived at the parking spot, there was again nothing. The once giant lake was completely dried out except for a few wet patches and the camping spot, which was nearly completely deserted. There were some huts around, all of them closed with shutters, and we were very happy to find some washrooms. Uh, But the one for women was closed. Oh, good God. (laughs) So we had to use the one for men. We sat in the car, very unsure if sleeping here was a good idea, as we felt like we were at the end of the world and would surely get kidnapped or swallowed by the sea. Uh, We went to sleep, but I stayed in the driver's seat in case we had to quickly start the car and get away. Safe to say, I didn't sleep a lot that night. When I woke up to sunlight in the morning, it was completely silent. I carefully opened the car door and was very surprised to find our car surrounded by at least 20 other vehicles. While I was still wondering why I hadn't heard all those cars approaching, I noticed lots of elderly people with fishing rods who looked at me as I was folding myself out of the car. It appeared that these elderly fishermen and women were completely silent the whole morning because they realised we were sleeping in the car. All the previously shut huts were now open and buzzing with people drinking coffee and preparing their rods. Some of them started talking to us and were all very friendly. We told them about our experience and fright from the night before and they found it hilarious and told us they'd never met such cute German girls they invited us for coffee and gave us little colourful Japanese fans to remind us of them safe to say it was the exciting start of our road trip all the best Julia from Germany that's a fantastic story what have we learned from this you know I think my takeaway is that if you come to Japan it's not uncommon for you to have such a unique experience in some capacity with a local person from this country Mm. You might, you might walk away with fans or, or coffee, but they're such polite people to their tourists or to guests. I think, yeah, I mean, in the UK, no one would give a shit. If someone's asleep in the car, you'd be like, let's put the music on loud and wake them up. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a, that is an interesting example of um, the Japanese mindset. Think of all those people, probably dozens, who made the sacrifice of trying to be quiet because two girls were sleeping in a car in the middle of the car park. Yeah, I think in America, I mean, even the stories I told you, I was a real brat when I was a kid trying to meet my heroes, doing mm. stupid jokes. Uh, maybe, maybe Insulting the takeaway, Bruce Campbell. Insulting my hero. Perhaps the takeaway is that, you know, collectively we should be a little kinder to our... Make somebody's day positive instead of a, a negative one. Absolutely. We'll, we'll <laughs> Have I made your day positive today? No. I thought not. No, you haven't. We've got a story this week. Okay. A message in a bottle from Japan washes up on Hawaii Beach after 37 years. Can you imagine that? I'm familiar with this story. 
You know, what do you know? That a science club in one part of Japan Kagoshima. That Kagoshima? Is that right? They dropped uh, several dozens of bottles in t- as an experiment. And finally, this is the most recent one. It had been 20 years since they'd found a mm, bottle mm. in like New York or, or, you know, the edges of Europe. But this one arrived some 30 plus years later in Hawaii, found by a, a young girl with a note that says, if you find this bottle, please send it back to our science club from 40 years ago. It's either a beautiful story about ocean currents or a terrible example of pollution <laughs> a, school, a Japanese school dumping loads of bottles into the sea well it was the I believe it was the 80s or 70s and so yeah go it, ahead in 1984 students of a high school in uh, Kagoshima in Kikajima Island in the southwest mm. uh, dropped f- I think 50 bottles into the sea uh, to see what the ocean currents were like and to hopefully see if they would end up anywhere um, and this one, the one in question, this one travelled 6,000 kilometres from the island of Kikajima uh, to, all the way to Hawaii. Um, it's the first discovery of a glass bottle put into the sea by students of Choshi High School um, as part of a project to investigate ocean currents since the 50th bottle was found in 2002. Oh, sorry, I've got it all wrong. The, um, the school in question was actually in Chiba. Okay. Um, and they, they did this in 1984, but some of the bottles ended up in Kagoshima, and the other bottles in this instance arrived in Hawaii. But there was one in 2002. Uh, it took 19 years later. Yeah, it took 18 years to get to, to Kagoshima. Not that far, not that impressive. But, but this the Hawaiian one, one, yeah. That is impressive. Uh, Vice Principal Jun Hayashi said, We thought the last one was found in Kikaijima. We never imagined another would be found 37 years on. Uh, the discovery is apparently scheduled for announcement at a Japan Driftological Society. I never know. Driftology. Driftological Society. I, they wouldn't let me in the doors. <laughs> I, you know, I also read... <laughs> Are you a drifter? I, yeah, I've, I've upset them all. Driftological. Um, I'm just a drifter. The, <laughs> one of the articles had an interview with a former student who was a part of the science club. And mm. she said how nostalgic... Now in her 50s... She God, said yeah. it reminded her of her wonderful high school life and that she's happy and that those bottles are still being found. That's beautiful. I mean, it, it was a, a local nine-year-old girl on the beach of Hawaii that found the, uh, found the bottle. Inside were contact forms, apparently, in Japanese, English, and Portuguese explaining where it was released. Wouldn't that be sad, like, if someone just found it and thought, what a load of rubbish, and just chucked it in the bin? <laughs> like, that would have been really sad. Thank God someone was cooperative and nice yeah and you know it's interesting you mentioned it a minute ago wow how how terrible for like modern standards we don't throw bottles with notes into the ocean Mm. but when you were a high school student did you do any sort of like time capsule or or major experiment in the UK where you had to do something like that I think we did put a time capsule in the ground of the school the school playground and I think it just had like some crisps in it (laughs) that are probably very mouldy and unpleasant now (laughs) Some crisps from our era well, of, the, of the late 1990s. To be opened in 2500. And an album of the Spice Girls. Well, but this, this was our music of our time. Oh, what a disaster. In the, in the future, when it's opened in like 2050, they'll be listening to music with like an implant in their face. Probably still the Spice Girls. And I hope they can listen to Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. No, I'll and, tell you what I want. And wreck their face with this implant. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> got another story this week okay. uh, another upbeat story I think it's nice though I'm glad I mean if I walk down a beach and I see a bottle with something in it I don't think I'm going to go and open it or approach it um, I might 
It's 50-50. I mean, wouldn't it look just awful? Covered in, like, moss. Yeah, you're right. Not maybe like seaweed and dirt. And then you open it and there's, like, some paraphernalia inside. Yeah, like... only in Hawaii. <laughs> so it's fair. I'm anywhere else. We got a story this week as well. Guinness World Records, Japanese sisters certified as the world's oldest twins. Two Japanese sisters have been certified by the Guinness World Records as the world's oldest living identical twins at 107 years old. What? Umeno Sumiyama and Kome Kodama have broken the world records set by late Japanese twins. And they've broken the record of other Japanese twins. That's insane. Because people in Japan just don't die. They no. live forever. They choose when to. They... <laughs> they it's incredible. 107 years old. Even one person reaching it to 107 years old is a feat very few people can accomplish. Well, the oldest living person on record uh, is also Japanese. How old do you think they are? 126. No, that's, that's very optimistic. 118. Well, I mean, that's only eight years away. Although I think the oldest person recorded in history is said to be 120-something. I thought it was 131. A French woman, although they debate whether or not she's chatting shit. There's some some debate, like the French government has been very adamant that she's definitely that age, because it's like a national pride that the oldest woman in in history is is French. But there's some pretty big anomalies in her story. Um, Whereas I think this... This Kanai Kane Tanaka, eight hundred eighteen years old, is is very much confirmed, and she's still alive now. Now that's one hundred eighteen. Think about that. How old are you? I'm thirty seven. Thirty seven years old. That's like doing your life three more times. <laughs> what a horrible nightmare! <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on anybody. My life, at least. You know, in you spend like half, over half your life as an old age pensioner. Well, that's not too bad. The thing that's interesting is a lot of people have started to start considering their life started at 18 or 20 now. There, right. Some people will say like, yeah, I'm really 17 because I've only had 17 real years of autonomy where I've made my own decisions and kind of figured things out. Huh. Because, you know, those first 18 years are kind of... You're, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, felt, that, I felt like no control over the first 18 years. You're sort of just on a conveyor belt going through... Definitely. And so I kind of look at it as that, right? So in the the past 17 years, what have I accomplished? Cool, I've lived in Japan 10 years. I've done acting in America. I've got a college degree, things like that. Up and coming Twitch channel? Imagine 100 more years (laughs) of what you could accomplish. I mean, that is bonkers. 100? I mean, just to think this person would have been born before there were airplanes or like good air, like jet travel. Before TV, radio. What's What's... 2021 minus 118. Go on, that please. would be Let's see. 1904 or 3. Let's see if you're right. 1904 or 3. Uh, 2021 minus 118 is 1903. Flip oh. it It's crazy to think in our lifetime mm. there are people that were born in the late 1800s. Unbelievable. 1903. Yeah. 1903? How is that possible? That yeah. doesn't even compute in my mind. One of the things I've always think would be a really cool concept for a podcast or something of that nature would be having a chance to interview these people and figure out what traditions and foods and things that they did mm. that long ago on recorded audio history I think would be really fascinating. Well, what's stopping you? Well, they're all, they're, As we've established, they're, might, they're all in Japan. Yeah, I don't speak Japanese. That might uh, do it. But 
I just think even people in their 70s, like, you know, if you talk to some of your grandparents. Yeah, yeah. What, when you were a kid, before all this shit happened for the internet, what was it like? Tell me the story of the horse and carriage again. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. That's what I think would be a fascinating tale. It boggles my mind. I mean, I'm 31, and mm-hmm. the 90s seem like a very long time ago. When I think about technology like computers, mm-hmm. I remember when we got, a, you know, my first computer. It was like a Pentium 2. And they had a monitor that was the size of like a small country and <laughs> lots of big boxes and things. I, you know, it was a very exciting time. The computers and you, you get excited about Windows 3.1, yeah. which most people don't know these days. And it's just crazy. But we- to 118 years old before all of that, like back in 1903, if you went, if you pointed up at the moon and went, we're going to be going there in a few years. In well, about we'd already been to 60 the moon. years. We're going to go to oh, the moon. 1903. Oh, 1903. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go. We're going to go to the moon in the next 60 years. You'd be like, no, we're not. Imagine Shut up. in just that time. I mean, this has obviously been covered, but you've got things like transportation completely changed. You have ways of communicating with others with like telephones, electricity. Mail is no longer written. It's you know you can call someone. Radio to to movies. To wars, everything in between, 117 years of history like that. It's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I wonder how much she can share or remember. I, I don't know what the quality of life is like at 117, but that's impressive. And to the twins, it's amazing. 107 each. Each. Unbelievable. It's 214 years total. No, you're, so you're not bad at math either. <laughs> we'll be back with the fax, fax machine and your questions in just a moment. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back with the fax machine. Uh, We've got a question here from... We've got a question from Reese. Mm-hmm. Hi, Chris and Pete. 
Hello. It's great. You're the only person that's come on so far with the same name as Pete Donaldson. <laughs> so it makes this a lot easier. Uh, in most of the world, our fellow man is the most worrying threat. But I wondered, with Japan's low crime rate and various venomous or grisly wildlife, when living or holidaying in Japan, do you feel more at threat from a dodgy alleyway or a nature excursion? All the best, guys. Reese. Wow, interesting question. What do you think? A nature excursion. <laughs> I think I'm far more likely to injure myself slipping on a rock or going someplace on accident to a, a blocked off road than I am of getting any sort of trouble on the back mm. streets of Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, you live in Tokyo. Yep. Um, and you never had any rough encounters, have you? you I was slapped in the face once by a bar guy. Slapped in the face? Yeah. Why? Well, I may have told him to fuck off, but I was oh. joking, but he had said it first, and so I kind of brushed him aside, and he walked up like it was an old English challenge where you take your gauntlet and slap you in the face, <laughs> and he waited for me outside, but in 10 years, I've had one altercation where... And it sounds like you had it coming. Well, I mean, he did start it, but I think that was a case of just, you know, body talk of too much drinking from his behalf, and we were misunderstanding. Too much, too much volcano. Too much volcano, but never... Threatened or punched or... I, I mean, I would comfortably say that a nature excursion poses more threats than a alleyway in Japan. Like, uh, just I think just yesterday there was an attack, a bear in Akita Prefecture, um, in a region of Akita that I was with uh, Ryotaro in, uh, about a month ago filming. A guy was attacked by the bear. Apparently he shouted at it. He was like, like, like what the fuck are you doing? The bear uh, Yeah, the, the bear like, attacked him, but he was, he, it wasn't life-threatening injuries. I think he's okay. But You are actually uniquely qualified to answer this because you I'm a bear. Have, are a bear and hibernate most <laughs> of the year and film stuff. But you've traveled all around Japan through several areas that are packed with wildlife and wilderness. Have you ever had a near scare where you rolled an ankle or almost what? got lost? I've had rolled an ankle. I don't know. You got uh, trapped uh, in the mountains because your uh, car ran out of gas. I did, that did happen, yeah, back in uh, February. I, I've had a hornet hit me in the face. A hornet? I was driving through the countryside once. <laughs> the wind in my hair, window down, the hot summer's day, the rice fields, the, the, the cool summer breeze. And a hornet came in through the window, slapped me in the face, like banged into my forehead, and then flew out the window again. Thank God its stinger wasn't facing my head. Because that would have been extremely painful and dangerous to be poisoned in the face by a, a deadly creature. But uh, Perhaps it was a hornet who slapped me at that bar. I can't quite remember. So. <laughs> but no, I think you're a much greater risk of a nature excursion than an alleyway. Although, do be careful. If you come to Tokyo in areas like Roppongi or Shinjuku, there's a lot of people that will scam you, as we've talked about extensively. That's 100% true. Yeah, yeah, lots of scammers. Uh, we've got one here from Mike. Do you want to read that out? Sure. There you go. Dear Chris and Pete... Thank you for teaching me that sand is short for sandwich. I'm embarrassed to report that despite living in Yokohama for the last year and a half, I recently learned that tendon is short for tempuradon. I feel like the food world has opened up. What are some other abbreviations that you've come across and that we should be aware of? Thanks. Good point. Moik. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, I had a video a year ago where I, I found a product called Pizza Sand. Pizza sand. It's like the delicious taste of pizza sand. Let's enjoy. <laughs> and, you know, you, you don't know at first that sand is just sandwich. Like in, in, in Japan, sandwich is shortened as sandal often, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they drop the O and just call it sand uh, when they write it in English. So it's a bit confusing. But, uh, yeah, tendon, uh, tempura don, don being 
rice bowl. Mm. Um, can you think of any other shortened words or abbreviations? I think for me, it often gets truncated on like greetings. Like instead of Ohio gozaimasu, mm. they'll say like, must. Yeah. And when I, I couldn't catch that the first eight years I was here. That's right. When I was a teacher, uh, in the morning, you sort of walk through the school and you say good morning to everyone. But rather than going, Ohio gozaimasu, like 150 times, you just go, us. Us. Yeah, it's like U-S. Us. Mm-hmm. And, and that way, you know, there's a lot of abbreviated words and shortcuts that they mm. do use, especially I found on on texting. I, I don't often text in Japanese, but there's a lot of, you know, shortcuts in, in certain phrases that they'll cut down to save space. With the, mm. I, I need to learn those probably. I mean, but I, I can't think of any other food examples. Food examples. I think one that confused me at first was I went to like an izakaya with a group mm. and the, the guy would say like namatoriaizu and I, that one phrase just namatoriaizu means just get a beer for everyone at first yeah nama means draft beer draft beer and toriaizu means first at first and then after you make after you each have your beer and cheers each other you order your specific drinks right yeah but just saying that to a clerk namatoriaizu and gesturing wildly at the table mm. They kind of those kind of shortcuts are like ononama, you know. He told you know, they're trying to order each individual. Sure, sure. That's kind of difficult to find examples of. Right, right. Sando, sande. No other foods for you. No other foods. I can't think of any other examples off the top of my head. But of course, don can be used in so many different ways, like you uh, don, tempura don, tempura don. I've run out of dons. Katsudon. Katsudon, yeah, Katsudon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I can't even any other examples off the top of my head, though. We've got one here from Jack uh, from Melbourne. He says, Hi, Chris and Pete. My question is about learning Japanese. I've been learning Japanese for about a year now. I've used resources you've recommended, such as Remembering the Kanji by Heisig and Genki and Anki. The problem is that these resources haven't really helped me in terms of constructing sentences, sentence structures, and particles. So much so that I have trouble constructing even basic sentences. Would you happen to know of any good resources that would help me with being able to construct sentences correctly? Thank you, guys. Stay safe and keep producing amazing content. Um, have you got anything you would use? Am I qualified to answer this question? Despite yeah. being here a decade, I barely... <laughs> My advice would be, it's not going to sound interesting or sexy. Get a textbook, for example, Mina no Nihongo, which breaks down right, yeah. sentence structures. I mean, Genki, the book, Genki books do break it down. Genki 1 and 2 and 3. There's Genki's part of a three-part series. Genki 1, Genki 2, and then Intermediate Japanese, it's called. And they are pretty good. There's also the um, the Beginner's Guide. It's, it's Japanese. It's kind of like a Japanese dictionary of grammar. Uh, and it's really good. It explains things incredibly well, but it's very pricey. It's a yellow book, and I can't remember the exact name for it. But I'm it's sure like, they can spot it. But... The- one thing I would recommend, if it's possible in Melbourne, why not try to find a lesson? I think starting to use the sentences vocally will yeah. really enhance your opportunity to learn it. Certainly in Melbourne, there shouldn't be a shortage of Japanese I would folks think so around. Someone. I do think it, I do recommend trying to get a tutor, though. I think that'll really help you, Jack. And uh, there's a good app on iOS called uh, Simply Japanese, and it's like a dictionary. But when you look up a word on it, like katsudon, there'll be example sentences using it. Like katsudon tabetai, for example. Like you can get sentences from that app. Um, so there's also Jim Breen's dictionary online, 
which is pretty good. It has lots of uh, sentences, but uh, best of luck with your studies. Yeah, Jack, it's a, it's a persistence pays off kind of situation Absolutely. where you need to go and practice. Good man. Can I read one more? Got here Logan from Kentucky. Ooh, that's my neck of the woods. Thank you. Uh, Howdy, Chris and Pete. I'm just kidding. I lived in (laughs) Kentucky briefly. I'm joking, Logan. Um, I love Kentucky. (laughs) Hello, Chris and Pete. I am Logan from Kentucky of the U.S. of A. I plan on visiting Japan in 2023 with two to four of my friends. My question is how much money per person should we expect to bring? We plan on staying around three weeks and want to go to all the main tourist areas since this is our first time. Thanks, and take care. Thank you, my fellow Kentucky man. This is a good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that you've already paid for the flights. That would be necessary, yeah. But what about the hotels? Are we going to assume they're not paid for then? Let's, let's do two versions. One without hotels and flights, and one that those are taken care of. I don't know. I'd say $3,000 for three weeks. Like $1,000 a week seems reasonable. The thing is, I've, I've met people that have come to Japan on a budget, and then they've not been able to do anything. And uh, because I didn't bring enough, and you know, when you come all the way to Japan, especially for three weeks, you want to make sure you get the most out of it. I'd say if you get three thousand dollars each, then you'll be able to not have to worry about what you spend your money on and how you enjoy your holiday. Get reasonably priced accommodation. Mm. Stay in like business hotels, like upper hotel, where it's like seventy to eighty dollars a night. Uh, I mean, that's still going to be could be like four or five hundred dollars a week. But hopefully, with the other five hundred dollars, you could still enjoy yourself I think Japan is one of those places like Chris said it's better to over prepare and bring extra money Mm. in case you have a wild night at karaoke and some you know izakayas that can get quite pricey quite quickly so bring extra and budget for like 800 to a thousand dollars a week if you want to do everything yeah I'd say three thousand to three thousand five hundred dollars for a three-week period is is reasonable and realistic and you could do quite an amazing journey with that kind of money like you can do oh, absolutely. everything yeah. you could do everything you could have like the sort of once a lifetime awesome experience in Japan and with three weeks like you can go you know Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, Hiroshima you could pop down to Fukuoka then fly up to Hokkaido and then work your way back down towards Tokyo that's what I would do anyway but uh, you could get the JR pass as well and get unlimited Shinkansen that's true yeah, yeah. you can save a lot of money on the JR pass but yeah so yeah, plan accordingly, and I hope that you and your friends have a great time, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Logan, sorry, Mr. Logan. Um, I think we've got one last question from Shubu, who says, Hello, Chris and Pete. My name is Shubu from India. This goes to Chris, as Pete seems very healthy. <laughs> Wrong, Pete. Would you ever consider cooking healthy food at home? I recently started dieting and avoiding food from restaurants and fast food chains. It's not that difficult, as I've anticipated, Um as there's a lot of easy recipes on the internet. What are your thoughts on this? What about Pete? Do you ever cook something uh, from Shubu? I mean, I'm not a good cook, Shubu. I, so the answer is probably no. I would my when I cook, it's like lettuce with a bit of chicken on <laughs> that I've probably bought at the convenience. I'll probably go to Family Mart, uh. buy some Family Mart chicken, and put it on a bed of lettuce, and that's my dinner. Yeah, this is a this is a tough question because Japan, your cooking space is so limited. You often yeah, have yeah. a very small fridge, and a counter, if that, to prepare your food. So, what when I do cook healthy, which is admittedly quite rare, you basically have to shop every day. 
you can't buy in bulk like you do in the States. True, yeah. Do you buy in bulk in the UK? We do. And, you know, in, in the UK, we have like a buy one, get one free, or buy two, get one free culture, right? But that yeah. doesn't exist in Japan. No. There is no bulk buying culture, really, in comparison. And that means if I did cook five, six days a week, I'd probably have to go to the, the store like five, every... Six times. Yeah, maybe four or five times. And that is... I just don't have the time for it or the will to do it. And Japan does such a great job with making food quite affordable and delicious as you take out. So if you come home, you have to prepare the food, clean up the food, do the dishes, you know, all of that and buy it. Yeah. Or you could go to uh, that restaurant right next to your house and get a delicious $8 meal. Yeah. And unfortunately, delivery apps like Uber or Walt or Food Panda have really taken off in Japan during the pandemic. And it's got very disturbingly easy to, to order things in but I, I do have like cereals in the morning so I don't I don't well done on I, cooking cereal I, I cook the cereals that's amazing in the you add milk to a bowl it's pretty difficult to pour that milk evenly across the cereals and then <laughs> I'll for lunch I'll have like a sandwich from 7-Eleven or something and then in the evening I'll order something in but yeah it's, it's not good it's not good to be fair it's also kind of people joke all the time they say they're on the Japan diet and they've lost weight I find it to be quite hard. There's so much delicious food that's unhealthy here. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're walking an extraordinary amount or really choosing healthy options, which there are some, it's kind of hard to eat right. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I, I do need to do something about that. I do want to get fit. In October, I was thinking of doing like a, a challenge where I film getting fit. Wow. And, and by having viewers sort of cheer me on and, and bully me, uh, maybe I'll lose weight. <laughs> Can oh, I bully you? No. Okay. No, you can't. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to abroadinjapanpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Pete, for coming in. You can find Pete on Premiere 2 on Twitch. He's a rising star on Twitch. Big things for Pete. Yeah, and a big thanks for you to having me on here, Chris. And oh, it's been thanks a lot to of fun. all the people like, you know, Logan and Jack and Shubu. We appreciate, well, this is my first time, but <laughs> I appreciated hearing your anecdotes. He's already usurped Pete Donaldson. No, no. I think the real <laughs> host is coming back soon. Chris, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this it's, madness. It's been a lot of fun. And I do recommend checking out the previous podcast with Pete, where we talked about teaching in Japan and Pete's horrendous 10 years. Half of it's been good. Half it's been great. The the horrendous experiences Pete has had because they are hilarious and troubling and brilliant. And it's one of my favourite podcast episodes uh, I've recorded, I think. It was so much fun. But uh, thank you, Pete. Thanks, mate. And for you guys listening in, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you in the next few days to do it all over again on the Abroad Japan podcast. Bye for now. is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.